0: Welcome to A Novel Evening. I'm Dani. You can find me on Instagram as Blotted Ink Books or over on TikTok as A Novel Evening Podcast. And this week I'm joined by Hiba Noor Khan, who's going to talk to me all about her newest novel, Sophia's War. Um, I love this book. It's such a beautiful story. It's so heartfelt. It's so compassionate. um, And her writing is just beautiful i'm going to let hibber tell us all about the story uh, her inspirations behind it the story that certainly was completely new to me um despite having studied world war ii at school this was a whole aspect that i knew nothing about so i am very very interested to chat to her ask her so many questions and find out all about her novel evening so a massive hello to hibber hello hi thank you for having me oh thank you so much for coming how are you how have you been
1: I'm good I'm good thank you yeah just like a bit mad in the run-up to book release Um, yeah because we're
0: recording this on the eve right this is the eve uh, of the book coming out how does that feel yeah
1: it's I think it's it's really surreal like I feel like I've not fully processed it and then I go on social media and I see like pictures like first sightings in bookshops and stuff and I'm like what (laughs) oh my goodness um so yeah it's just a bit bizarre
0: Oh my goodness. So for anyone who hasn't obviously heard of the book, hasn't seen the book, Sophia's War. uh, Firstly, I love the cover. It's uh, obviously listeners can't see it. I would suggest they go on Instagram or Twitter and have a look because it's gorgeous. Did you know it was going to look this lovely? Like how much do you get kind of input? No,
1: No, I didn't. So I remember we sort of discussed having the, the mosque on the cover and like the Parisian skyline. But I have to say this was all down to the amazing illustrator and designers at Anderson Press. And I was I remember like when I first saw the artwork my breath was taken away and then it just slowly like got better and better and I'm I'm in love with it yeah it's It's so beautiful
0: and it sums the book up so beautifully as well I think
1: Mm -hmm. yeah no absolutely I love the I love the oranges on there and um the sneaky little cat at the front step and yeah just I, I feel like the the warmth that's emanating from the mosque is, is really beautiful.
0: Yeah it's stunning so again obviously as I said you can kind of tell a lot about the story from the cover itself as well but for anyone listening tell us about your book tell us this story of Sophia.
1: Sure so it is um, inspired by the real life resistance efforts that took place by the Grand Paris Mosque against the Nazis in World War II um, so it is it's historical fiction it's uh, based on true events and um, when I first like started researching and, and came across this incredible moment in history I was just so mind blown because I mean I've studied World War II multiple times at school, Um, I thought I'd read most of the books that there were to read and watched all the films. And I had just never, ever heard about the Grand Paris Mosque and Ben Gabrit and all of this. And I was, so that was part of it. I was just genuinely like, what, <laughs> What? where, you know how is this possible? And how do people not know this? And obviously I started to like, you know figure out from people around me, if it was just me who had just, you know, somehow missed this out. And it wasn't, it's it's literally just been sort of forgotten and overshadowed um, within the, the mainstream narrative. Um, And I was also, I remember like researching it and I was so awed and inspired and just like mind blown by how sophisticated and ingenious the actual resistance was. And I I remember just sitting at my laptop and just crying for like a good 10 minutes because I was just overwhelmed and so many emotions were coming out. Because so basically what was happening in the mosque was, so estimates um, vary in terms of the number of lives that were saved, but it's definitely more than 500, um, and some even say sort of close to 2,000 Jews wow. were saved by those at the Grand Paris Mosque. And it was also headed up by this amazing man called um, Abdul Qadir Ben Qabrit, who actually features in the book as one of the main characters. Um, and he and those who were sort of with him and, and, you know, working with him, they would forge identity documents for Jews to pretend that they were Muslim so that they wouldn't be arrested. They also... Um, brought people brought jews into the mosque itself and hid them in the hammam and the women's section Um, and then like he had this bell installed under his desk um that like an alert system so like anytime because the nazis were very very suspicious and he actually got arrested multiple times as well so he was constantly risking his life but he had this um alert system that would then sort of ring a bell throughout the whole of the the building and you know, alert them to hide if there was an imminent raid and they would stall the Nazis by being like, you have to take off your boots because this is sacred, you know, this is yeah. a sacred place for us and they obviously had huge military boots and they'd have to unlace them and that would buy a good few minutes and they would, yeah, and then they would, they actually um, smuggled the, smuggled, you know, hundreds, maybe thousands of Jews um, through underground tunnels, um, the Souterrain that runs all the way under Paris um, and the mosque is actually really conveniently placed in terms of its proximity to the river. So you could go through the catacombs and through the underground tunnels and find like come up at the river where um they would put the Jews onto into wine barrels and they'd be sailed, you know, whisked away to 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 safety um relative to Paris anyway. So it was just it, it it's very I see it as very miraculous. Um, and I genuinely do feel like miracles unfolded. Um, within the walls of the mosque and so it's a really really incredible um story and Sophia the protagonist of the story she is an 11 year old map obsessed animal loving um really really curious and at times a little bit fiery as well a uh, young girl who lives in the mosque apartments and her father works for the mosque so she basically ends up um getting sucked or drawn into the beating heart of the mosque's resistance activities and playing more of an important role in saving lives than she could ever have fathomed um and yeah and it, it's kind of like I'd say in terms of it's the the vibe of the book I'd say there's a lot of there's a lot of adventure um there's a fair bit of mystery in there so it's quite sort of tense throughout um and I think it's got i've like poured my heart into it as well um there's animal rescues and rebellious librarians undercover imams and shepherds and all sorts um and i'd, I'd say ultimately yeah it's about like courage and and hope yeah in an i think actual. it's
0: so interesting as well you said about this kind of being a part of history because when i read on the back and it said you know it's based on a true story i remember thinking well i've never heard of this mm-hmm. and this is such a big story in itself as well you say it's a miraculous story it's so intriguing but it's really interesting you know we all study world war ii at school Mm. i think we studied it you know endlessly at school as well it seems to be the one subject you're constantly getting especially in british schools but this was an element i'd never heard of i wasn't aware Mm. at all that you know a mosque was involved with with the resistance to start with Mm -hmm. what is it do you think you know when you discovered this story how did you come across it
1: so it was actually through my amazing editor, Eloise Wilson. So she was sat in an underground car park in Paris, and like was just started to question why this car park was so deep underground. Um, and then she found out that there's actually this whole network of tunnels that runs the entire sort of breadth and you know uh, perimeter of, of, of Paris. I think a little bit beyond as well, and that it, it went from there basically so that was where um like researching from there that actually the grand paris mosque used these tunnels um and it just opened up this amazing sort of rabbit hole of like oh my goodness there's this piece, there's this there's this you know incredible moment from history that has just been in the dark um and it was yeah really kind of exciting from then on
0: Was it ever intimidating that you were going to retell this story that had kind of been lost, that you were going to have to kind of research it, discover it, and then put it out there for people to read? Were you kind of just excited by that? Or was there a sense of kind of, you have to do justice as well to these people?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think there was definitely a huge weight associated with it. Um, I think I sort of, I think I still feel that today, like that um, it's, I feel like it's a big honor to be able to tell the story you know in this in this way where you know there aren't sort of other novels about it um there's a brilliant picture book but yeah there, there's no sort of there's no novels in, in that sense and so i think I, I think there was a lot of excitement um I, I was very very emotional throughout the whole research process and the whole writing process too i mean i'm just always emotional <laughs> that's just me for sort, but um, <laughs> especially especially emotional through it because yeah, I think I, I really felt the, the weight of the fact that there's this incredible man or incredible, you know, man at the center of it. And if there were so many people who would have assisted him. It's just, we don't necessarily know their names. Um, but the book is sort of dedicated to, to all of them. But you know, that there were these incredible people who risked their lives, you know, day after day after day. And I would say really sort of like demonstrate and taught me what it means to be human, what it truly mm-hmm. means to be human. And they're heroes and you know their names have not been memorialized and they're not in history textbooks as you say and they're just not known and I've been given the opportunity and the responsibility of um of doing their story justice as you say so yeah definitely there was a huge sort of sense of weight there but also excitement because yeah I feel like we should you know that sing sing about these unsung heroes and and shout their names and celebrate what happened because it's so powerful and, and inspiring and and yeah I think it, it's, it's very very relevant to today as well
0: and I as well you know there could well be descendants of the people you know who were involved that could read your book you know this is not that long ago in history I think sometimes you know, world war ii feels so long ago was mm-hmm. actually it really wasn't and these things were happening you know in some people's memories as well still you know there's still people who can remember that as children and I think as well, you when you knew you were gonna write this story, was it always the plan to have a, a child, you know, a girl in the center of this?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think because of the age group, like the, the it being a middle, middle grade novel, that kind of gave this like prerequisite of the child protagonist that was gonna be in the center. I, it could have been a boy or a girl, um, but she was a girl. <laughs> um, somehow, yeah, I think that was just like kind of innate and instinctive. Um, which is interesting, actually, because yeah, I was going to say, oh, that's because I was writing it, but actually, I am currently working on something with a male uh, protagonist. Yeah. So yeah, somehow Sophia was just always there as Sophia. Um, but yeah, I-, I love that thought that, as you say, like there are you know descendants of of the people who who you know yeah. could be affected by this. And I'm, I remember reading when I was researching actually that there was an exhibition in um, somewhere in America um, around the Grand Paris Mosque, and somebody actually came with. A forged identity document and brought it to the people who were you know the curators and was like and he said that this is my mother's um and this was stamped by the grand paris mosque pretending that she was someone she wasn't and this is what saved her life um so yeah absolutely i, I love that thought and yeah i hope that it does reach
0: um people you know, there'll be children out there who as i say are related to those people who might pick this book up people who were rescued also people yeah. who were kind of working with the resistance which I think is incredible that you're sharing this story I think it's and like you say it's it's such a shame that this story has been lost and I think we hear incredible stories from World War II of people doing really selfless and really incredible things because I don't think you can underestimate quite how dangerous this was either I know it's a middle grade story so you know there's limitations on how much you can kind of say this was incredibly dangerous work
1: Mm, absolutely I mean yeah, Ben Habrit was arrested multiple times, and you know, at any moment he could have very easily sort of been, yeah, you know, they, they could have decided, well, you've gone too far, and that could have been it for him, and, and potentially everybody there, because as you say, like when you know, there's just monsters around, um, and the monsters are in charge. There's, you know, there are no lines. There are so absolutely, I think that that's part of what makes it so incredible is the fact that, and that's that's where I kind of say that. I had these moments of very very deep reflection in terms of them showing me what it means to be human yeah. um and and I remember you know many times thinking that like it's all very well you know writing about uh, Sophia and like coming up with this protagonist who's super courageous and brave and you know who chooses the, the right path and the to be the better person and all of this and I remember thinking so many times like I I, I just don't, don't know if I would have that strength you know yeah like, we're fortunate that you know, we're not tested like that, but like it really, really, it's almost unfathomable um, what was what was going on. And-, and
0: it was so, I think, you know, looking back and having watched various films of World War II as well, you know, I've recently watched Jojo Rabbit and I've watched various other things. Mm-hmm. I don't think it can be underestimated how difficult it was, you know, these were neighbors, these are people who had lived around you your whole lives. But when people are put in that position where it's it's you or them, it really is just about survival and that's what's so incredible about these people who were really putting their lives on the line you know quite often people they didn't know people that they you know were having to put their trust in their faith in I mean what what do you think was kind of the key to the success of of these people being able to do what they did
1: I think I think there's probably like various factors involved so Mm -hmm. I think like without a doubt there's in terms of this specific context as I said like that the operations were incredibly well thought out so like there was they were very, very sophisticated. Um, and I think, you know, you, you, you've you got to literally be as smart as you can um, yes. in these instances because the stakes are bigger than anything else ever. And keep
0: a level head as well. You have to be able to think in those situations, which I mean, for me personally, if I'm panicked, my brain is gone.
1: No, no, exactly. I mean, <laughs> even like when I was like reading about some of the things that they did and even like writing about them, like I was just... Like overcome with adrenaline and like panic and yeah it's just it is it's really really incredible um so I think yeah being really really smart and as you say level-headed um I think yeah I mean there were things like um so the people at the Grand Paris Mosque had learned about forgery mm-hmm. um and the tricks of forgery from another um a man a really a beautiful man Adolfo Kaminsky who was sort of considered a master forger? His story sort of a bit more well known, and he does actually it's, he's he's mentioned in the book. But um, like I remember reading that he would he said that he would fight sleep, like he would just stay up all night long because he needed to because there were that many lives that he knew he could save he could save. You know, each stamp was was a life saved, and just even you know that just sort of realizing the the sacrifices that people made. Um, you know, in terms of going going for days days on end potentially without without any sleep, for you know, risking your own safety, security, and I mean, I guess like Sophia's father, a lot of the people, a lot of the adults involved would have um, indirectly been risking as well those their loved ones' lives. But of I think, yeah, I think, I think the sort of essence beneath it all um, is probably this deep, deep like sense this deep deep knowledge about the sanctity of life and recognizing how precious and sacred each life is i think that awareness if it's sort of deeply rooted enough in somebody's heart will give you courage beyond you know beyond expectation and will give you like energy and and strength beyond what we think is normally possible do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, I know what
0: you mean. And I think when I was reading the book, there were definitely times as well where I'm a parent myself and imagining being able to kind of, like you say, putting family members at risk, I think is something that's so alien to us. We're kind of told that you always mm-hmm. prioritize your family, your children. And, you know, to do something that selfless it's almost unimaginable now isn't it because I don't Mm -hmm. think it's just something that we've never well certainly I've never been in a situation where I've ever had to think like that and I always think in that situation will I put my kids first that would be Mm -hmm. first and foremost and it's really it's really incredible you know these people who are doing these things and yes they're putting their families at risk but like you say it really is about the sanctity of life it really is about understanding that every life counts not just yours and your families but everybody and I think the interesting thing for me as well is you know I didn't realize you know it's a mosque and they're welcoming Jews in there helping Jews again that's that's the sad bit for me is you don't realize how these communities were bonding and working together and how they kind of formed this attachment that's something I would never have considered Mm -hmm. at all really and I think that's and I do wonder you know the story has been lost I kind of wonder if there's a reason it's not been told so much Mm-hmm. you know if there's yeah. a reason that these stories aren't as well known as things like the story of Anne Frank the story of you know the lady who carried the babies out and things and absolutely. Yeah. and I do think in this day and age it's important those stories come out now And yeah. we're ready more ready to hear them than ever I think I don't know if mm-hmm. you agree with that but I think we're now ready to know those stories and want to spread them
1: yeah yeah absolutely I yes yeah, it's, it's so wonderful hearing you say that and and I really hope so that, that I really hope that we are um but without a doubt I completely agree that that was something that was kind of coming out in as I was researching that and I think it added to the sense of frustration and pain that I had because it was just like because through you know whatever political agendas there are that sort of you know end up running the world um and, and running the way that things go yeah the, the story has sort of um been overshadowed and and you know just like completely waylaid um and i hope that now is the time for that to change but absolutely i think that there's no doubt that for the majority of people maybe you know in 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 maybe even in the world um that hearing muslims and jews in the same sentence yeah. doesn't doesn't sort of conjure up very nice images or its tension it's conflict and that's literally because of politicized yeah. um agendas that dominate the whole narrative all of the time and I mean this is just one of many many instances through history where you know it that's not been the case and people get on perfectly well and there's brotherhood and neighborhood and community and I think like people talk about you know tolerance um and I don't actually and, and with interfaith as well there's a lot of talk about tolerance and I I don't I don't really like that word too much mm-hmm. because I think that there's so much more than that like and that's that's respect and love um and i think that in this instance with the with the grand paris mosque it wasn't i don't think it was tolerance you know that's it's just i definitely didn't feel from
0: your story they were tolerating the jews (laughs) i felt like it it transcended religion almost this was so beyond that because of what was happening it was about just humanity wasn't it it wasn't about you know any anything to do with religion or your background or it was just about you being human
1: a hundred percent yeah it was absolutely it was it's and and there's you know you can see that there's actual sort of yeah it's reverence it's it's yeah. it's that it's love it's love I think it's I think it has to come down to love I think that and I think that that's I mean for me like with my personal beliefs as well like I feel like as cliched and crazy as it sounds that that is what that is what runs everything that that's what yeah. you know keeps everything going and that's what makes us human that that you know is at the the, the very base of our existence and I think it's such a beautiful example of that um and I really do hope that you know through reading it as as you say that these sort of dominant stereotypes and paradigms can sort of just start to be questioned and and that yeah. you know children I mean there's obviously there's themes of propaganda in the book itself course, yeah and, and you know that's just as relevant as it is yeah. as it was again <laughs> as it is now ironically um but yeah absolutely I think and and I, and I hope I mean you know i think we all feel that literature is so powerful in the sense that it breaks down these abstract ideas of of division and hatred and things that are made you know possible through the media and and you know political campaigns and stuff and you you are given the human face you're given the human hearts that are involved and that really make up what goes on in the world and and that's really powerful so um yeah, I, I I, definitely, that was definitely something that was sort of a key theme that kept cropping up and frustrating me and upsetting me throughout the the, the process, but hopefully it can change.
0: Yeah. And when you're reading it, you can read, firstly, it's beautifully written. And second of all, I think just talking to you and reading it, you can feel your passion for this story. And I think that makes a huge difference. If you are truly in love with what you're writing about and you truly believe in what you're writing and the need to get it out there, it, you feel the difference. And I definitely think when I was reading the story, you can tell how much you know research you've done, how much you've really wanted to do the story justice. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. Um, and again, this isn't a book I would have necessarily ordinarily picked up. You know, my children are quite a bit younger. I don't tend to read a lot of middle grade, but, you know, I'm so glad I read it because I think it's sadly, it's just not a story I necessarily would have picked up on any other day. And I'm so glad I read it because I think this is an important story for adults as well as, you know, Mm -hmm. older children. Um, I would certainly read it to my children when they're old enough at the moment, they're just a bit too young, but I would certainly read it to them. And I think as well, you know, when you're writing middle grade and you're writing quite serious subjects. So this is, you know, this tackles quite difficult themes and you're writing Mm -hmm. middle grade, which is that kind of funny line between, you know, the ages. Were you kind of aware of how much information you could put in there? How much you can I have to hold back? How do you know your audience and what you could be writing in there for them?
1: Yeah, that's a really interesting question because it's my first, is uh, you know, my first sort of venture into middle grade. Yeah. And um, I, w- I think I was constantly, throughout the writing process, I was constantly like having sen- this sense of anxiety and doubts and like, oh God, is this too explicit? Is this, you know, because obviously there's there's bombings, there's, there's deaths, there's arrests, there's, you know, persecution of minorities in the most horrific, evil ways um I think and I was I wasn't it wasn't just like it wasn't an easy process I think that Mm -hmm. um it did require sort of a lot of reflection and and I was sort of constantly asking like my husband and my mom and my editor that you know is this is this too much or but I think it was really helpful because I was my editor worked with me sort of really closely throughout which was so valuable um and yeah she's just absolutely amazing and so I think once we'd sort of shaped it and I think I think by the point that we got the early reviews in like peer reviews from authors
0: mm.
1: um, that was the point at which I was like okay this is it's okay it's like, okay
0: yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> um but no you're it, it's a strange it's a very strange um balance to strike um and you know it's it's kind of this delicate line between wanting to encourage the children to, the readers to empathize and to yeah. feel things deeply and, and you know to, to sort of taste these emotions that yeah. allow that deepening of the human of, of the, the the human experience and you know to feel another's pain but without breaking their hearts and without yeah. sort of traumatizing them. Um, so and I think I think one way that I definitely feel I kind of tried to to approach that with is always focusing on hope. Yeah. Um, so, like keeping hope as this, you know, acknowledging that it it's an it was an extremely dark, yeah. awful time, but that as is a sort of universal concept. No matter how dark the time, whether it's a personal or a social or a world context, there will always be hope, and that's kind of like a rope to to hold on to. Um, so, I I think I tried to sort of bring the focus back onto to hope, you know, even in the tiniest ways um and I mean that's like a life lesson for myself as well (laughs)
0: yeah we all need to do more of that don't we Mm -hmm. I think especially nowadays we need to hold on to like some of the hope because it's out there as well and you know you've written this beautiful beautiful book it due out imminently what comes next for you I know you said you're writing something do you kind of were you already kind of writing this when you were just about to publish this is this something that's relatively new what do you do next
1: so I'm working on a couple of nonfiction books that are out um, soon. But yeah, the one I mentioned is actually a fiction book. Um, so that has been brewing inside me probably for, I'd say, years in the background. Wow. Um, like I knew that I wanted to write a book about, it's a historical fiction as well. So about this this moment in time. Um, but it was, I think that it was only when I finished writing Sophia's War that I kind of i think like mustered up the courage to start to make a start on it um and i think yeah i think this kind of gave me a bit more i i, I think a sense of confidence that okay i've written i've written yeah. a book i've written a whole novel um and so I'm that need to
0: tackle this now i can do this uh, now I think, yeah i yeah. love that i love that this was like okay I got this story out that needed to be told and now Mm. I'm ready for this one that's been brewing for ages. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, (laughs) absolutely.
0: Well, I'm very excited to see whatever you do next. I absolutely love this book. It's beautiful. Um, And yeah, it's going to be out tomorrow, which obviously when listeners hear this, it will already be out. It'll be out in the world. People will be reading it and you'll be getting reviews. I'm sure it's going to do fantastically because it's such a beautiful story. And I'm now curious what you're going to bring to your novel evening because... I feel like I have no idea sometimes I can kind of guess but I feel like you might be somebody who's going to draw on a lot of different areas for your evening
1: Mm, yeah I think you're
0: right (laughs) I have a feeling I have a feeling you're someone who's got lots of different inspirations they can draw on here so what Mm. I usually start with is the first thing I will ask is where we're going to go for your novel evening which is very important very important
1: yeah oh extremely important yeah I'm all about the settings in the yep, yeah it's, it's
0: very important you can't have a good party unless you've got a good setting 100 100
1: um i knew it needed to be outdoors um and i can see it very vividly in my head um so it's kind of somewhere is there some sort of a cross between Rivendell and avatar like oh. the Avatar forest so <laughs> it's, it's it's an ancient forest i know that it's a very yeah. ancient forest and i think I think it has Ents in it. So I think that the the cool. trees are very, very wise themselves. Um, so I I imagine that maybe at points, like through the dinner, they might contribute. They might get involved. Oh, <laughs> uh, some okay. Actually.
0: I love but that blend. I- That's such a cool, you know, Avatar, the Avatar Forest and Rivendell is just, I, I can picture it in my head as well. Yeah, yeah. You, you can see, see it. it. Yeah, Isn't I can it? see it in my head. I can imagine it. It's all lush and green, but you've got, like, the beautiful arches of Rivendell, and it's very, like, peaceful. You can hear all the animals, all the wildlife. Mm. Okay, I'm down mm. for this. I like this setting. You're coming, yes. I'm coming, and oh, I like no. the ants just maybe just making an appearance or walking past. Or you can see them walking around in the distance. Mm. I like that. It's
1: very peaceful, mm-hmm. I feel like.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah, you just feel the wisdom in the in the space. Um, I think there's definitely, it needs to be, like, either fireflies or fairy lights, but like who needs fairy lights that you plug it in? Maybe they could be real fairies, but you know, you know what I mean? Like just, yeah. When they're kind of
0: just it, like in the air. Yeah. Oh, I so like this. Okay. This is good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I think like twilight, twilight kind of time. Um, Or I would maybe stretch, I would maybe plan it so that it stretches between a period of golden light, like, you know, even golden light, but then golden hour. Yeah. Yeah. Golden hour. That's the one. Um, but then also into the twilight. Um. I just love that atmosphere, and I think there's quite a lot of magic at that at, at those times in the air. Um, I um, and
0: I love when you're talking, when you're sat talking. It's golden hour, and before you know, it, the sun's coming down, and you spent so long just talking and engaging, you don't realise the sun's come down until you look, and you're like, oh, it's dark now.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's just like you've got this like moving artwork all around you. You, you yeah, like the, the the sunset and the colours, and then and then the stars coming up and. Yeah, I think that's quite a good chunk of time to, to choose. This is
0: atmospheric. Um, I like this. You've set a real mood here.
1: Thank you. Yes.
0: <laughs> um, it's very good. Okay. So I can picture this very clearly. We're all sat, you know, we're waiting for guests to arrive. So who will be the first person who's going to make their entrance?
1: Oh, I don't actually sort of don't know who would come first. Um... It wouldn't be Gandalf. Gandalf is coming, but I don't think he would be first. I think he would be late. No, I
0: think he's probably late, isn't he? He does <laughs> say late. a wizard is, you know, no. He rides precisely when he means to.
1: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> probably at some point during the main course. Um, I think maybe so one person I knew like immediately that I would want to invite and sit with and meet is Jalaluddin Dean Rumi. Oh, um tell so... Me more. so he was a poet. Um so he wrote beautiful, beautiful poetry in Farsi. I don't actually speak or understand Farsi so I'm limited to um, translations. Yeah. But it's it's very sort of spiritual poetry and it's all centered around love. Um, and the fact that love is at the the very essence of, of who we are. And he's, he's very sort of metaphysical, mm-hmm. um, existential kind of stuff. And I just like, I melt. When I read um when I read his poetry, the translations of his poetry. And I've I've always just thought, my God, I would love to, I would love to meet, meet him. And as a writer, he's just sort of, yeah, definitely somebody that is is up there on my sort of list of yeah. of heroes. Um there's there's a particular one of my favorites is called the guest house. Um and it's it's sort of about like the I, I guess the transience of the human state. And it's sort of, it talks about, he talks about the, like how each of us is like a guest house and our emotions come and go. And so like, you know, wh- whatever emotion it will we'll come in and it might stay for a while and some will stay for longer than others, but then you let them go and, and, and you welcome the new guests and, and you you consider them like guests. And sometimes, sometimes they'll tear the place down and tear it to shreds, yeah. but you then they will move on and you, you know, you, you, you dust after them and, you you look forward to it and and yeah I just I just love it so much I feel like it's been this kind of theme I feel like his writing has been this a theme through my life you know where
0: I was gonna say when you were talking as well from the conversation we had earlier about hope and love and humanity I can see how that feeds in as well I can hear in your voice how that would kind of connect
1: yeah so he I think he I think he can come first um and make himself comfortable um I think there would I would also love um J.R. tolkien
0: oh my goodness absolutely
1: Uh, yeah and he'll feel right at home obviously um and i think i think in terms of like this profound sense of wisdom and like depth i think they'll hit it off
0: oh my goodness and that the brains as well i feel like the way they think and would speak i feel like both of them would be people who sound very interested in other people and learning from other people and talking about their lives Mm. and i think they would have so much to discuss even though obviously they're kind of worlds apart possibly they would find so much to be able to discuss
1: mm, absolutely yeah yeah and and the conversation would just be so so fascinating yeah um, oh my goodness,
0: I love this
1: and I think just yeah on that so in terms of like I've always had this thing where I've wanted to watch you know have you ever, have you ever wanted to watch someone like watch a writer watching the world yes because of how, how their brain then processes yeah, that yeah. yeah and like the tiny things that they notice and how beautifully they just articulate them so someone who I would definitely want to watch watching is Zadie Smith
0: oh yes uh,
1: like yeah. oh my goodness she's just incredible um and I would literally just want to be a fly in the wall or just like creepily watch her for hours like and where is she looking and what's going on you know how is she absorbing because yeah. yeah I feel like her the way that she translates details into sort of poetical prose is gorgeous um yeah. and then Another person that I think sort of similar, um, who's a, another kind of like one of my favourite authors, Neil Mukherjee. Um, so he's written oh, The Lives I've of Others. I've not heard of him. Tell me more. He's written The Lives of Others, and that's sort of one of my favorites. It's a big book. Um oh my goodness. it's not a very it's not a very, very easy read, but he sort of combines like multi-generational family dramas with politics and like commentary on social. You know sort of yeah. social hierarchies and, and and that's
0: not easy to do when you're weaving well, all that stuff together that's not easy to do and make it readable either
1: yeah so he's I think he would be really great and then Arundhati Roy um yeah, yeah yeah and I think that um I think her and uh, Zadie Smith and Neil Mukherjee would have a really lovely little like they can sort of you know um chat away and I'll watch them <laughs> I'll watch them chatting yeah. and watch that these like genius brains just feed feed off each other and interact um that's what it is
0: it's when some people's brains and like you say they pick up on like these tiny details and somehow can make those things that we we wouldn't even notice somebody else doing or saying or and make them beautiful i think that's the incredible thing is when someone can really people watch and pick up on those tiny details and make them something magical absolutely
1: yeah a hundred percent
0: um
1: so that would that would be a dream that would be amazing um and then i think I think um, so. Dumbledore can come, uh, Gandalf can come now.
0: No. <laughs> um, and
1: then Gandalf can come now. Yeah, um, and I I wasn't entirely sure about this, but I think Dumbledore can come,
0: and I think they might. They make a nice pairing yeah. as well, and yeah. I feel like with Tolkien, and I I think it'll be quite a nice. They just, they mm-hmm. can create some fireworks and some magic displays. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Just yeah. as the darks coming in, they can send some things off into the air and do their magic, and that would be that would be the entertainment.
1: Oh my gosh, perfect! Yeah, and <laughs> I think I think the the Ents would love to come and sort of like sit with them and and yeah. kneel and, and yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, and then Willy Wonka was on the list just because, okay. like, I still you maybe goosebumps. cater for
0: us. That would be an interesting, <laughs> yeah,
1: especially the dessert. Yeah, hundred percent. We could do the dessert. Um. And then this is a bit weird, but like some, I don't know if this has anything to do with literature really, but I'd I'd love to meet some of my ancestors. Like I'd love
0: to. I think that's, I recently had a guest who basically just invited old members of their family and wanted to, wanted to have them along. And I think, you know, it's not necessary literary, but you are a writer and they are related to you. So we can (laughs) put some (laughs) loopholes. We can loophole this. who who would you like to meet from your ancestors (laughs) who is there that you would love to be able to have there so
1: I think part of the desire comes from the fact that I just don't know that much Mm. um I don't really know that much about them so like I think I probably mean like my grandparents parents Mm -hmm. and their parents um so not necessarily even like way way Mm -hmm. um yeah but I think I love the idea that decisions and like thought decisions that they made and thoughts that they had and maybe even like some of their traits and quirks have shaped me into who I am and I have no idea of that you know and like I love the thought that the idea that yeah I could even I could even look like some of them or they could have been I think because because of where because like we're in such different contexts so I'm in Britain and they would have been in India at the time or Afghanistan at the time they like because our context is so different even though you know I feel like words are in my bones and in my blood and I've been given I've been able to express that and become a writer I'm just curious like I wonder if you know any of them had that and but they didn't necessarily have the out to become a writer but but I I think I've yeah I've always loved the the fact that culturally like oral storytelling is a big big part um and so I feel like you know even if they weren't like scribbling stuff down they would have told stories and I know they will told stories until like all night Um, They would sleep outside in the summers and just tell stories around the fire. So I would love, I would love to hear some of those stories.
0: And you know what? That's what we need. You know, Gandalf and Dumbledore have done their their fireworks and then there's a fire blazing and you just listen to stories from, from family members.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That would just be, that would be incredible.
0: And I feel the guests you have there would be so invested as well. You know, your family have got an audience that are going to listen to them.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, and so couple all the, all the little details and the gems and the definitely, definitely. I think I think I realised when I was like coming up with this guest list because I also thought, hmm, it. I guess cause Sophia's was very fresh in my mind. I was like, I would love to meet Monsieur Kassan. Yeah, um, the he's one of my absolute favourite people. Um, I just love him, and Sophia's grandmother as well, Seti. Um, and I think I realised that I think I'm a bit obsessed with old people like I think I really love the older generation um yeah. and I don't know I, th- I feel like they just have a lot to give and I think I remember I remember reading something about how I don't remember where it was but something about how um the older generation it's almost like the it's almost like going it's like it's like modernity and our crazy lives are like city lights and lampposts and building lights and artificial lights basically and when we're so busy with them you can't see the stars yeah because everything else seems brighter but when you kind of turn that off or you 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 walk away from it into the desert you are able to behold the stars in their dazzling like brightness and and that is the older generation and all their yeah. wisdom and, and just like wonders and I I think I really feel that deeply um and I love I think that was something that maybe subconsciously was coming through in Sophia's War as well. That
0: like, I can see being... that, actually, as you're saying in that, I can yeah. see that.
1: Yeah. And, 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 those, and it was the stories
0: as well we get from the old generation. I was actually talking to another guest who was on here about the older generation and talking about those stories. And he, he wrote a book about time and things. People forget, you know, the older generation have lived so much. They've seen so much. They've lived through times we can't imagine they have wild stories of their own as well you know they were teenagers once they were in their mm. 20s once they've done done things and and I think it's why well it's asking questions I don't think we ever ask enough questions or old generation
1: no soak those stories up yeah 100% it's I feel like yeah sometimes I feel like we should be recording everything that they say you know when when we do when we are around them because yeah and I and I love the I think I love the idea of like the that sort of I think the the bond between like a child and a grandparent for example is something that you know comes up quite a lot in literature but i think even beyond that just you know i think it's not necessarily considered super cool you know for a kid to be really close friends with someone who's elderly but i think that i really find those friendships so beautiful um and i think i think yeah again subconsciously when i was writing this something that kept coming to the surface and I ended up reflecting on through this as the story unfolded was that like we're constantly bombarded with this idea of aging as negative Negative. and undesirable and from a very it's a very like superficial perspective you know that just relates to the body and the wrinkles and the sagging and the gray hairs and all of this and it's just so reductive because like when again like one as as you'll know one of the major themes in this book is like botany and the natural world and yeah. like the healing in 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 the natural natural places um but like when you look at the natural world and you look at a tree that's old you know where it's like or that there's power in in yeah. age like there's majesty there's there's and an a tree will world.
0: always die that is the outcome eventually yeah. for a tree but it will live and see so much and we see it and it's you know its roots are deep it's grown tall and yet we see the opposite for the older generation, right? We see them as weak and infirm and yeah, it's yeah. it's wild, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's this really weird like paradigm kind of mismatch there. And I feel like, yeah, when you kind of stop just looking at the physical and you actually like take in what like the worlds that are inside them and, and, and then there's great power as well. So I think... Yeah, sorry, that was a bit of a tangent. But yeah, I really no, think I, I think like...
0: it's it's beautiful. I really do, and I think you've got a lot of older people present at yeah. your evening, but that makes for great stories.
1: Exactly. Yeah, and then we have like Zadie Smith and Arundhati Roy, and they're all watching them and soaking them in and There's learning from right there. Them.
0: Books are being written at your evening.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh God. Yeah. Libraries.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness! So many. Is that your whole guest list? Is that everybody who will be coming?
1: Um. I think that was the main one. That that was the main chunk. Oh, I did also think about. Um, I did also think about. So I love. Um, I love multi generational novels. Yeah. Um, and so, Sunja from Pachinko. Oh, yes.
0: The, yeah, and it's and such her a story.
1: oh uh-huh, I I love it. Obsessed with that book. And once she's kind of you know towards the end of the story when she's obviously old, <laughs> and she's lived through these sort of changes and. I just I just I just love literature that shows you that cross section of of you know that, that that journey through someone's life and then again the, another one I thought of that could like work really nicely alongside Sunja would be um is it Ethia oh, from
0: Homegoing oh yes so, oh my goodness yes. again what a <laughs>
1: yeah exactly yeah um oh so this the, is a night of
0: storytelling books. this is what you've created this is all about telling stories and people's lives Absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like the, the and and it's sort of recognizing that they are the stories like they hold within the millions of stories but like they are the richest yeah like oh yeah um I love it okay. um but yeah, So those are two of my favorite books and I feel like the stories that those women
0: they also need them. a good night. They need a nice, warm, comfortable, yeah. welcoming night.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like just of, of love and, and this glowing embrace of.
0: Yeah. And and the I love it. I love it. <laughs> this is a beautiful evening. I have to say it's, it's very emotional. And usually this is the point where I would ask if there's anybody you don't want it your evening. However, that doesn't really feel like the vibe. But perhaps there's a, maybe there's a group that you don't want there or perhaps there's a vibe you don't want to bring to this evening
1: um I mean off the top of my head I wouldn't want any orcs there Yeah. That would, that, would, that would ruin it like in an instant <laughs> I can um, agree
0: with that yeah no orcs
1: yeah and um yeah I think I don't just, think just the orcs <laughs> <laughs> just the orcs. everyone else can come
0: that's <laughs> fair. i think orcs. they'd be very messy guests as well i don't think they'd add much to the party if no with you.
1: no absolutely not and that's i don't serious. think that i don't think based on the age age demographic of the attendees that there's much of a fight left in many... no Although i Gandalf... think the fighting will be left yeah it'll be <laughs> yeah i think that's a... fair it's
0: i think it's we're secure i don't think orcs can get in. no that's what I'm <laughs> we're thinking. protected Well, honestly, I love this evening. I think it's a beautiful night that you've created. As you say, it's all about storytelling. It feels very warm and very welcoming. um, And it's it's definitely a top novel evening. I think you've done a beautiful job with it. Oh,
1: amazing. Thank you. I'm
0: so honored. (laughs) Before I let you go and enjoy the rest of your evening, I have to ask if you're reading anything at the moment.
1: I have, I always have a few books on the go um, at the same time. And it's just a bit ridiculous, to be honest. But I'm reading, I'm rereading Braiding Sweetgrass.
0: I still haven't read that so many people have told me to I still haven't done it I'm gonna have to
1: um I feel like you can kind of dip in and dip out as well um and then in terms of fiction I just started Yellowface
0: oh I keep seeing this everywhere I haven't read it I think I've been a bit scared of reading it I was too people say it's quite an intense read right so I feel like I need to be in the right place to read it but I keep seeing it everywhere
1: yeah, it, it literally is. It, it literally you can't you can't escape it. And I think I've, I've I was speaking to some like fellow children's authors, and like there was this major mix kind of vibe towards it because I think some people were like, it's literally kind of makes you go off the whole industry. Um, yeah, I've heard go. really
0: kind of people are really yeah. divisive, but I think that's good literature. If you've got people really divided, you've done something right.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I couldn't resist. Um, I often do resist the hype books, but. Yeah. um, I, I couldn't. And and I, I love the cover as well. I genuinely feel Such like a the cool cover. I'll
0: be very intrigued yeah. to see what you think of that one.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I um hope I think once I sort of dive into it, I'll finish it very quickly. Yeah. So yeah, I'm excited.
0: That's just two very different reads as well that you've got going on. Yes. <laughs> you've, kind of, you've really <laughs> got two different, different that. episodes. <laughs> that's a good reading. <laughs> yeah
1: I'm a mediator, reader definitely yeah so just satisfy all sides of my alter egos
0: and oh my goodness yeah. but look thank you so so much this has been an absolute pleasure so Sophia's War when we're recording it is out tomorrow so when this comes out people will be reading it reviews will be coming in it's beautiful so congratulations I think it's going to do fantastically
1: thank you so much it means so much to to have all your like beautiful words and feedback and thank you so much for having me on here it's been so much fun
0: oh it's been a pleasure thank you
1: thanks